Today is Tuesday, January 3rd, and in the news we have Kevin McCarthy loses his first and second round of votes to be nominated for uh, Speaker of the House. What happens next? People want to know. I will give you the answers. NFL player, quote, collapses suddenly and CPR is performed performed on live TV after suffering what appears to be a cardiac arrest. Attorney General is fired after suing J.P. Morgan Chase on bank files related to Jeffrey Epstein. This was very interesting out of the Virgin Islands. And Bakersfield, California, law enforcement arrests nine suspects on suspicion of labor trafficking, kidnapping 16 victims. I'll tell you why that is important. This is Inform Daily. I am your host, Anthony Cabasa, and let's jump into that very first article. So this is uh, USA Today. It says uh, House Speaker race up ended as GOP infighting sinks McCarthy. Live updates. Now, look, getting feedback from people, it looks like people are kind of torn on this. They don't know if they should be cheering these on or I'm got, I, I kind of have like people split right now. They're kind of saying like, this is good. This is what we need. It's time to kind of, you know, get rid of these rhinos and it's time for McCarthy to, to give up his seat. I wish it was that easy, folks. We're going to dive deep into this, but uh, my my um, I, I still firmly believe, as I'm pretty sure I said yesterday, uh, that it's going to be Kevin McCarthy, and I don't think that anyone else really has a chance. You got uh, Jim Jordan, uh, which is basically like the only other nominee that has uh, really any votes, but he's got like 19 votes. You need 218. So he's just a bit shy there. You know, that's like about a 199 uh, difference there that he needs. But we'll jump right into it. It says House Speaker race up ended as GOP infighting six McCarthy live updates. And it says, wait a minute. Que pasa? Okay. No, wait, this isn't the correct article. Let me see. Give me one second here, guys. Oh, there it is. What happens if McCarthy can't get votes needed for speaker? Here's how the election works. So pay close attention because this is what everyone is wondering. This hasn't happened in over 100 years. So you, this is kind of, it's, I'm going to give you a rundown of what's supposed to be happening and how that's going to, uh, to be done. So it says, when the 118th Congress convenes January 3rd, which is today, one of its first actions will be to elect the Speaker of the House. So just so that you know, whenever a new House comes in, that's the first point of order, electing Speaker of the House. The speaker is a powerful role in line behind the vice president to succeed the president should the commander-in-chief be incapacitated. But the more prominent authority the speaker wields is controlling the agenda and committee assignments that shape legislation in the lower chamber of Congress. With Republicans having regained the majority in November's midterm elections, House Minority Leader Representative Kevin McCarthy is in line to win the speakership after GOP lawmakers elected to keep him last month as head of the caucus. But some Republicans have publicly stated they will not be supporting the California representative in his bid for speaker, jeopardizing his shot at the speaker's gavel since no Democrat is expected to support him. So far, they've had two votes. So far, no Democrat has supported Kevin McCarthy. Obviously, party lines are going with party lines. Uh, it says um, the Speaker of the House is the only political position in the House elected by all its members. Here's how the election works and what could happen if McCarthy does not reach the vote threshold needed for the speakership. What happens before the speaker vote? Prior, uh, prior to the start of a new Congress, both parties hold a private meeting where they elect the party leadership for the next Congress. This takes place before January 3rd, the official start of the new term, when all House members vote for the Speaker. A candidate only needs a majority of votes from their respective party to win the nomination in the private meeting for leadership. Even if a colleague votes against a candidate in the private caucus meeting, the party typically sticks together to back their nominee on the House floor in January, according to Matt Glassman, a senior fellow at Georgetown University's Government Affairs Institute. However... When the whole House votes, just a few votes in opposition to a candidate from their own party could cost them the speakership, quote, which creates a scenario where people could dissent a very small faction could stop you from winning on the floor in your own party, Glassman said. So how is a speaker vote held? And again, you've probably already watched two, at least two votes today. I'm sure it's headed to a third one that's actually happening live right now as we speak. It says the clerk of the House from the prior Congress gavels in the opening session and presides the speaker until one is elected. 
The clerk first calls for a quorum to establish that enough members are present to conduct business and then proceeds immediately to the speaker election before the swearing in of a newly elected of newly elected members. The clerk calls lawmakers in alphabetical order by last name who then announced their choice for speaker by calling out the last name of the candidate. This differs from the usual electronic voting conducted in the House on legislation. Candidates for speaker are nominated from the floor by members of their parties. In this case, I believe the nominations were for the Republican side. It was McCarthy, uh, Representative Biggs, Andrew Biggs, and then Representative Jim Jordan. Uh, so those were the people that were nominated. Um, and so all three of them uh, were able to be voted for. And of course, from what I understand, again, is that you're actually able to just vote for anyone you want from the House floor, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to double check that. So today, for the first round, it was basically Biggs, um, Jim Jordan, and Kevin McCarthy, which all three ended up getting uh, nominations toward them. And that is why Kevin McCarthy. See, what makes it really interesting is, it, well, actually, I'll just keep reading because this really explains it really, really well. So it says, how many votes are needed to be chosen as speaker? The magic number is 218, kind of. A candidate requires votes from a majority of lawmakers who are voting to be elected speaker. That means if all 435 members are present and voting, the number of votes needed is 218. But lawmakers can decide to skip the vote or vote present, which reduces the vote threshold needed to win the speakership. Speakers Nancy Pelosi, California, and John Biner uh, of Ohio both won the speakership without reaching 218 votes. And that's because of that technicality. And the next Congress, all 434 members, won fewer than 435 because Virginia Rep. Donald McEachin recently died and a successor has yet to be chosen, can vote. If the results, for example, are 216 votes for McCarthy, 212 for a Democratic candidate, and six representatives vote for someone else, the 216 votes would not be the majority of 434 needed for the speakership. McCarthy would come up short. However, if those six representatives do not vote for someone else, they don't count toward the vo total votes needed. This now lowers the threshold to 428, meaning a 216 vote could secure the speakership for McCarthy. Glassman said this is often used as a tactic by speaker candidates who convince their colleagues to, in essence, abstain as a compromise between voting for another candidate and supporting their candidacy. Quote, that's certainly a viable strategy, he said, which I'll be honest, it, it looks like that's my, that might be where it's headed, is people kind of voting present as opposed to voting against someone. So it says if the first ballot fails to provide a speaker, which it has, lawmakers will continue to vote until a candidate receives a majority. Members can vote for different candidates each ballot. It's not common that there is more than one ballot, but it has happened. In 1923, for example, it took multiple ballots, nine, over the course of two months to elect a speaker. On three occasions prior to the Civil War, a speaker was not elected on the first ballot. In one instance, it took 133 ballots over a period of two months. As a last resort, lawmakers can adopt a resolution that would elect a speaker by a plurality or by ranked choice voting instead of a simple majority. Glassman said McCarthy needs at least 213 votes, which both times, by the way, he has not reached 213 votes. I think the highest was like 202 or 203, if I'm not mistaken, because the 212 House Democrats are likely going to all back their party leader, which they have both times. Uh, Representative uh, Hakeem Jeffries of New York are the remaining nine GOP lawmakers who have expressed reservations about supporting McCarthy. The California Republican will need some combination of votes for him. Present vote or no votes. So it says, how do members typically vote? They vote in person. Um, how would this play out for McCarthy? It kind of kind of gives like a, a rundown of a leading up to the day of voting. But obviously, that is where we are. Um, so. There you have a basic rundown of what's going to happen. Um, they're going to have a third vote. It can take days. It can take weeks. It can take months. But it seems like not all Republicans are in step lock. Now, I again, I hear the gripes and complaining of people basically saying, like, this, this looks bad. This is not a good way to start the year for Republicans, kind of showing that there is no unity in the party. 
Um, but again, it has happened before. Granted, it's happened. Uh, it happened over 100 years ago or such. But I wanted to pull up this very interesting video for you guys. Uh, I actually posted this on Twitter and I thought this was very interesting. So this is Representative Matt Gates, And it is, I mean, people are kind of like, you know, championing Matt Gates, saying this is what needs to be said. This needs to be done. And look, in the grand scheme of things, again, I do believe Kevin McCarthy is going to get the votes essentially or eventually rather. And, and who knows, maybe this is just a message to the establishment. Maybe that's why they're doing all this grandstanding because look, Jim Jordan just doesn't have the votes. He's got 19 votes. Now, now I, I don't think that over 200 people are going to switch over to Jim Jordan. I think it's a lot more feasible to get those 19 people for Jim Jordan to vote for Kip McCarthy to give him the majority uh, to be able to be speaker. But again, some people are saying maybe this is just a message. Maybe what Matt Gates is doing and what he has said in this video, which I'm going to play for you guys shortly. Maybe this is the message to the establishment. You are being put on notice. No longer will we just let bygones be bygones. No longer will we just... Uh, do what you want. No longer will we just be rank and file. If you do not do what the constituents ask of you, if you do not want what the Republican Party wants of you, uh, and, and I don't mean the Republican Party as in the GOP representatives, I mean the, the people, right? The people of the GOP party. Um, this is what we will do. And, and hey, look, you know, they're embarrassing themselves. But hey, maybe this is what it will take. You know, somebody made a pretty valid point. Maybe Kevin McCarthy and seeing that this wasn't such a breeze for him. Uh, to win, and ultimately he he might win, or I, I believe he will win. Um, it, it's a message to him. It's going to make him sit and reflect. And so this is what Matt Gates had to say. Florida, rise to nominate a candidate for Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. Well, sometimes we have to do jobs that we don't really want to do, and sometimes we have to do jobs that we are called to do. And so, my colleagues, I rise to nominate the most talented, hardest working member of the Republican conference who just gave a speech with more vision than we have ever heard from the alternative, I'm nominating Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is humble, perhaps today, humble to a fault. Maybe the right person for the job of Speaker of the House isn't someone who wants it so bad. Maybe the right person for the job of Speaker of the House isn't someone who has sold shares of themselves for more than a decade to get it. Maybe. Yeah, so that was that was a little hot there, uh, saying something like that, right? Um, you could obviously hear audible like Ooh, on the in the audience side. They're like, "Uh oh, this is getting hot." And you got to keep in mind that the podium uh, in which Matt Gates is speaking from. If you're not able to watch the video, if you're just listening. It's literally right in front of Kevin McCarthy. So it's like in front of him, like three steps to the left. And then you're going to see in the video now how Matt Gates, after his speech, he looks in the direction of Kevin McCarthy. And then you're going to see like a weird interaction. Jim Jordan is the right person for Speaker of the House because he is not beholden to the lobbyists and special interests who have corrupted this place and corrupted this nation under the leadership of both Republicans and Democrats. I mean, that just warrants a round of applause, it, regardless of what you think, regardless of optics, if you think this is bad. Bravo, Matt Gates. I mean, you're, you're probably the, one of the most hated people, not just in those chambers today, but I know that they're going to be working very hard to get you out in 2024. But this guy is speaking the truth. Both parties have been working together to not just destroy what they are supposed and claim to represent, but also... They're destroying America little by little. It's absolutely insane. Maybe Jim Jordan would be the right person for Speaker of the House because he wouldn't fight us when we try to get a term limits bill on the floor. Maybe Jim Jordan would be the right person because he wouldn't fight us when we try to put a balanced budget on the floor and vote for it. And maybe Jim Jordan is the right person because he would endorse the plan that was built by the Texas delegation to finally secure our border. Mr. Jordan said in his nomination that there are certain bills that we have to pass to fix the problem. The challenge is the alternative has been someone voting for the very bills that have caused these problems. Mr. Jordan says that we cannot accept legislation like the omnibus, and I fully agree. And if Jim Jordan were Speaker of the House, if he were the leader of the Republican team, we wouldn't have that circumstance 
choking the economy of our country, increasing inflation, and diminishing the prospects of a better life for our fellow Americans. And finally, Mr. Jordan said we must engage in rigorous oversight. Every one of my Republican colleagues knows that the person who can lead that oversight effort, who works on it every day, who has the skill and the talent and the will, is Jim Jordan. I'm nominating him, and I'm voting for him. There it is. Just stares at him. And Kevin McCarthy just like looks back. Like literally, dude. You know, he just stares him down. And Kevin McCarthy's like look forced to like look away with like that little grin. Again, man, you don't have you don't have to like it. But but bravo, Matt Gates, honestly, for, for saying what needed to be said. And again, if this is just look, by stalling this out, now you got more people tuned in. Now more people are watching. Right. As I'm watching this on YouTube on C-SPAN, um, I'm, I'm watching this live as it's happening. I'm looking at the viewer count go up. So, again, maybe this is what this is all about. Maybe it's just to send a message. It's like, hey, look, it's no longer just going to be rank and file Republicans. We're going to push back now. I, I get both sides of the argument. Hey, you know, we need unity. We need this. We need that. But look, man, th these are things that need to be said to these people because people are sick and tired. People are sick and tired of the McCarthy's, the McConnell's, or the McDaniel's of, of the Republican Party where everything is the same. They're, everyone's just expected to just, well, you know, it is what it is. We keep losing, but oh, oh well, you know, like, no, it's not just, oh, well. It's not just, you know, we're going to go back to the way things were. It's... um it's going to be interesting. And, and I don't know how long that's going to, oh, it's actually funny because round three is actually trending on Twitter right now, which means round three for the votes. Again, I don't know um, when that's supposed to take place, but uh, right after the, the, the first round of votes failed for Kevin McCarthy, he immediately called for a second round of votes. And he actually asked Jim Jordan to please give a speech to ask the people voting for him or the people voting against Kevin McCarthy, like guys, we need we need to we need to stand behind Kevin McCarthy and and look. You know this is this is from a, a very trusted source that I have that that told me that just a couple of weeks ago, Matt Gates, uh, despite voting against the same sex marriage uh, bill, uh, was at the log cabin Republicans party that uh, Mar Trump hosted with at Mar-a-Lago, and so Matt Gates was there. He's actually, I believe. He's received awards from the Log Cabin Republicans, which is an LGBT uh, Republican club out there. And uh, what, in, what what I heard, uh, you know, again, obviously I can't, I wasn't there, but this is, again, the source that, that told me this uh, this happened was that Matt Gates was actually called uh, into a private room with President Trump. Uh, President Trump had, uh, had asked for Matt Gates to meet him privately and that um, Matt Gates kind of looked to some friends and said, like, holy crap, like Trump wants to speak to me privately. And <laughs> I'm wondering now, like I'm thinking to myself, like Matt Gates probably thought like, hey, I want you to be my vice president, bro. You know, <laughs> uh, no. So he probably was like pretty freaked out that that happened. Um, but no, what, what actually ended up being asked of Matt Gates is like, hey, man, we need you to support Kevin McCarthy. And, and I think that Matt Gates was a little bit let down that that was a request of Trump. But, hey, it's no secret that Donald Trump has openly endorsed uh, even before the midterms and after the midterms. He's he continues to endorse Kevin McCarthy for speaker. And, and this is something that, you know, a lot of people don't seem to understand. They're kind of confused as to why this is happening. Why is it that someone like Donald Trump who wants to get rid of the establishment is working with the likes of people like Kevin McCarthy, who is considered establishment, who is considered neocon, who is kind of considered old card. And this is the only thing that I can say to you. Now, I don't I'm not saying that I'm happy with what I'm about to say, but I'm just giving you the objective truth. People like Kevin McCarthy, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, Shifty Schiff, all, all these people, right? The Mitch McConnells of the world. These people hold the keys to both parties. They're called the establishment for something. Now, we can we can agree to disagree. We can say, oh, we need term limits. I, I get it, but we're not there yet. You need to be able to get inside of the machine first. And if you want inside of the machine, you have to play by by the rules and the rules are you have to fall in line you have to give kevin mccarthy what he wants you have to give mitch mcconnell what he wants etc now again i'm not saying that i like it 
I'm not saying that this is the way it should be. It sucks that this is where we are in today's day and time. It sucks that this is what it's become, especially of both parties, when one of them claims to be on a moral high ground, right? But this is the way it's got to be. I am not surprised. I am not surprised by Donald Trump endorsing someone like Kevin McCarthy. I think he will continue to play the game because I think that he always underestimated the power of the establishment. And and that's just the reality. And and here we have a select few of people, including Matt Gates, giving a warning to Kevin McCarthy. And I think this is like whatever you are promising, you better follow through with it or there will be more of this. Expect more of this. So I think that publicly humiliating Kevin McCarthy, even if just for a second, even if just today, right? And eventually, I do think that they will fall behind Kevin McCarthy. Um, but you know what? Good for Matt Gates, man. Donald Trump personally pulled him aside. And again, I, I think that maybe when he got that, you know, invitation into his office, I think he was probably thinking, you know, like, oh, snap, this is it for me, man. I'm going to VP. Um, but no, it was it was basically Donald Trump saying like, dude, I, I need you to get behind Kevin McCarthy. And Matt Gates said, no, it's not going to happen with all due respect. You know, again, this is according to a source. I trust the source. I have no reason to not believe it. But um, again, not necessarily surprised. And only time will tell. I, I you know, I'll, I'll be updating with uh, you guys all day on social media, letting you guys know what's going to happen with these votes. Ultimately, if I had to speculate, if I had to take a guess, if I had to put all my life savings into uh, educated guests, it's Kevin McCarthy will be winning. I just don't see it any other way. With that, we will jump into our next story. This is CBS. Latest details on Damar Hamlin. Family of Bills player releases statement. Team offers update on his health. Well, actually, I'm going to show you guys the video first so you guys can kind of have full context of what happened. So this is last night on national TV. If you guys are not aware there's an NFL player uh Damar Hamlin plays for the Buffalo Bills and uh it is the Buffalo Bills I'm pretty sure uh, sorry guys I don't watch the NFL too much but um apparently after this play he ended up collapsing and he was needing resuscitation he ended up getting CPR performed right there on the field and from what I understand he is in stable but critical condition so um I apologize to the health community that's tuning in saying, dude, that's an oxymoron. You can't be stable, but in critical. I, I don't know. I, but he appears to be doing okay, but he is in critical condition. So this is the video here, and this is just middle of the game. So let's see here. An ambulance was brought onto the field. Hamlin is being treated at University Hospital oh, in Cincinnati, and at last check was in critical condition and is. is currently sedated. Oh, now the NFL announced he that the game has been postponed in a statement saying in part, quote, our thoughts are with Tamar and the Buffalo. So he did take a hit to the chest as he was tackling the, the guy with the football, number 85. He gets up. Bills, we will provide more information to be okay. as it becomes. It looks like he's kind of like trying to remove his helmet here. Hospital in Cincinnati and at last check was in critical. And he just collapses, man. And it, it, it's it's tragic what happened. Here you have these young, healthy guys just collapsing out in the middle. And then this is another video. It says, uh, while administering CPR to Damar Hamlin, you can see the Buffalo Bills circled around crying and praying for him. Please pray for Damar Hamlin. So this is a video. It's a little bit vertical or it is vertical, but... Um, uh, here you clearly see the ambulance, and then you see kind of like the team huddled up around, and, and CPR is apparently being performed. The CPR is fine. Some of the players are kneeling, beginning to kneel, and they're maybe praying over him. Yeah, so I don't know exactly how long uh, the, the CPR was performed on uh, Damar Hamlin, but he was taken to he was rushed to the hospital. The game was initially suspended. Uh, they they thought that I guess somehow they were going to be able to recover from this or be able to continue to play after this, but eventually uh, it was completely just canceled. Um, it's very interesting too that at the very bottom right of the screen here, uh, clot shot is uh, trending as well. But I'm going to be try to be I'm going to try to get through this story without getting banned on YouTube. So these are the details of exactly what happened. 
says um, the latest details on Damar Hamlin. Uh, last night's game gave us one of the scariest moments in NFL history when Damar Hamlin collapsed on the field after making a tackle on T. Higgins during the first quarter at Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. Here's a quick timeline and everything we currently know about the situation. Hamlin collapsed on the field. The incident happened after T. Higgins caught a pass from Joe Burrow. Hamlin went in for the tackle and took a shot to the chest. Hamlin went down while making a tackle, but then immediately shot back up like everything was fine. However, just a few seconds later, he collapsed on the field. Hamlin was taken to the hospital. The bill safety went down at 8.55 uh, Eastern Standard Time, and by 9.25 p.m. Eastern Time, he was already in an ambulance on the way to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. So it looks like about 30 minutes exactly uh, went by. It says that during the nearly 30 minutes he was on the field, Hamlin was given immediate medical attention that included CPR. Wow, man, that's traffic. Hamlin's uh, tra uh, family was at the game and they rode with him in the ambulance to the hospital. Uh, 23 minutes after the injury happened at 9.18 uh, p.m. Eastern Time, the NFL announced that the game would be temporarily suspended. By 10 p.m. Eastern Time, the league decided the game would be fully postponed. There have been several reports that the NFL initially wanted the game to continue after the players were given a five-minute warm-up, but the league has denied this. At 1.48 a.m. Eastern Time, we got our first official update about Hamlet. In a tweet, the Bills revealed that he went into cardiac arrest on the field. Holy smokes, man. Damar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest uh, following a hit in our game versus the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field, and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment. He is currently in critical condition at the UC Medical Center. Um, the Bills bus left Paycor Stadium just before 12.30 uh, a.m. Eastern Time. The team made the decision to fly back to Buffalo on Monday night, but it also allowed players to stay in Cincinnati to be with Hamlin if that's what they wanted to do. One of the players who visited Hamlin first was Bills wide receiver Stephen Diggs. Hamlin's family is in good spirits. Um, Let's see here. And I think that's basically it as of right now. That's the latest that they have. It says hundreds of fans show up at the hospital after the game was postponed. Hundreds of Bills and Bengals fans made the decision to go to the hospital and hold the vigil. Hamlin's injury took a serious emotional toll on everyone, especially his teammates before leaving the field. Many Bills players were in tears. So there actually is a pretty powerful photo. I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, pull it up here. But um, on Twitter, let me see. Uh, Damar. Hamlin. I just want to show you guys this photo of prayer, which was being spread uh, like wildfire. This is it. This is uh, this is John Gordon. I believe in the power of prayer and I'm praying right now for Damar Hamlin. God bless him and his family, friends and teammates. Don't give up before the miracle happens. Uh, this was posted, I believe today. Yeah, just a bit ago. But this is a powerful photo. This is basically the entire team. Uh, kneeling down and praying over Damar. Obviously, you know, it, it's tragic what happened. Um, it, it's very weird that this also happened. I don't know exactly what all this entailed um, or what's there. Obviously, there are some people kind of drawing their own suggestions about what really happened and, and why this young man who is obviously in peak physical form would be having cardiac arrest out in the field. Um, but I, I posted this on my Instagram and I just kind of captioned it. There is no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. And this is kind of like, you know, a, a veteran saying this is kind of something like a military thing. When when you're at war in, in, in and you're at that foxhole kind of defending yourself against the enemy or fighting the enemy or looking out into the enemy and you're kind of in this foxhole that you've built and and, you know, you're kind of evading enemy fire. Uh, there's a saying that says there's no such thing as uh, as an atheist in a foxhole. And basically what this means is that in the darkest times, in the most trying times, in the most difficult of times, prayers is, is what people kind of resort to. Eventually, people kind of have like this innate thing that that they turn to God in their deepest and, and, and darkest times of their life. And it, it's kind of interesting, to be honest, um, how humans are kind of programmed that way. Is it doesn't matter what your beliefs are when when you think the end is near when you think something tragic is about to happen or something tragic has happened uh, people usually tend to pray and you know i've actually talked to some people and i you know that have told me this they're like yeah you know i'm an atheist but you know I'll, I'll pray from time to time and i'm like well what do you pray to and like look man it's not that i don't believe that there is a god it's just i don't really know where i land on my beliefs like i do feel like there's something out there like something did create us i just don't know what it is i don't know where it is i don't know how it looks like so i just pray like i pray to 
I don't know, I guess energy. I, I, I don't know what it is exactly what they're praying to, but uh, as the saying goes. Um, and so here you have it, very powerful picture. So what I will say, however, is that there is this little graph here, and I hope that YouTube doesn't ban based on graphs because I'm going to choose to read it differently. But uh, the NFL's CV19 jab rate as of December 15, 2022 is as follows. So this is, again, look, and, and, and I'm going to preface it with this. If you are the kind of person that was okay with people getting fired, if you were the kind of person who was okay with people getting arrested, if you were the kind of person that looked at China and their CV-19 zero CV policy and said, that's what we should have done here. If you are those people, you don't get to look at people or hear at people like myself or hear people like myself and say, you shouldn't be drawing this conclusion or you shouldn't be talking about this. To those people, I politely say, you can go kick rocks. And so I just want to preface that. But to me, there is nothing more important than transparency and finding out if this has anything to do with that. Because there are still people being forced to do this against their will. And there are millions of people that were forced against their will to take this jab in, in order to, to, to continue to play or to stay in the military to keep their jobs. So, again, go kick rocks. CV-19 jab rate as of December 15 as follows. 94.6% of all NFL players are jabbed. Nearly 100% of all NFL personnel are also jabbed. With such a highly jabbed population, the NFL environment is not comparable to anywhere else in society. We will continue to work with the NFL PA with the goal of having 100% of players jabbed. 30 of the league's 32 gloves have an overall jab rate of 95% or higher. So I think that there is a lot of deductive reasoning. I think that there, you know, especially as a journalist, there are questions I want answered as to why it seems that died suddenly or collapsed suddenly or any other suddenly is happening, especially with people that are in the NFL that are at the, the possibly the, the peak physical uh, time of their life, right? Why is this happening to young people? Especially that hit didn't look that bad. It did. I don't think it warranted cardiac arrest, but hey, I'm not a doctor. I don't get to say, but I do want to know. Now, what's interesting is there was a report earlier today. Uh, this is, uh, I can't pull it up because uh, I forgot to pull it up. But this was very interesting to me. There was uh, this journalist that was out at the UC. And uh, this is Nick Sorter. It says, breaking the U.S. government has set up outposts near the UC Medical Center where Damar Hamlin is currently in critical condition. This is reportedly due to, quote, issues that may arise following DeMar's possible passing. That's very interesting. We're currently on site and will provide continuing updates all through the night. It says, let me be clear. DeMar is still alive, but is intubated and critical. Any reports of his death are incorrect. According to police, to police, this is, again, Nick's order, who's there, and he posted a picture of him being there. It says, federal agents are posted up in, quote, routine manner in a, quote, distant radius from the medical center in response to crowds surrounding the hospital tonight and tumultuous social media trends. Not really sure what that means. There is no imminent threat to the hospital. So I think that, again, I might be mistaken. I am not law enforcement. I don't work with protocols. I don't know what protocols look like. But obviously, there's going to be fans that go to the hospital. Maybe they're just taking extra precautions. This doesn't mean necessarily anything conspiratorial. I had personally never heard uh, uh, that the federal, the federal government gets involved with cases like this. I think it's really interesting. Uh, it raised an eyebrow for sure. And again, at the end of the day, I don't care for conspiracy theories. I don't care for people jumping to conclusions. But we do get to ask the questions. We do get to say, well, wait a minute. 
hmm, the jab rates are this high and suddenly we have people collapsing out. And it just doesn't just happen in, in the NFL. This has happened in soccer a lot. If you guys, I'm sure I can probably pull it up. If you guys just pull up like people suddenly collapsing on the field. A lot of young, healthy athletes, very young, are collapsing or dying. And nobody, nobody knows why. Those are questions that warrant answers. With that, we'll go over to this other. Uh, when I read this, I was just like, wait, wait a minute. I thought it was really, really interesting. But it says Virgin Islands uh, Attorney General fired days after filing a lawsuit alleging J.P. Morgan and Jeffrey Epstein ties. So the government responds. It says governor's uh, office says media reports trying to link firing lawsuit are not entirely accurate. So it says here, the office of U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Albert Bryan is pushing back on media reports that the firing of Attorney General Denise George is somehow related to her recent lawsuit against the nation's largest bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, on its alleged connections to Jeffrey Epstein. George was reportedly fired Saturday, just four days after she filed a lawsuit in a Manhattan federal court on behalf of the government of the U.S. Virgin Islands, alleging that J.P. Morgan Chase, quote, turned a blind eye to Epstein's sex crimes. Now, it's really interesting. I haven't really done an Andrew Tate like deep dive or kind of like a rebuttal to everything that's happening. I, I definitely have my thoughts. But what I will say is that it seems that this whole Epstein thing is being kept under wraps and it almost seems on purpose. And I hope you pick up on my sarcasm in me pretending to be surprised by any of this, right? It's kind of like, uh, you know, I've seen I've seen those tweets where people are like, you know what, guys, I'm, I'm, you know what, I'm starting to believe that it's just the U.S. government doesn't have my best interests at heart. I, I, something about what's going on right now, with all the corruption, with all the craziness, with all the money funneling, all this stuff, crypto. And, and crypto bros donating to the Democratic Party. I'm just starting to believe that maybe there's a little bit of corruption. And, and you know what? Maybe the U.S. government just doesn't have the my best interests at heart. So I, I say that with that kind of sarcasm undertone for sure. But it says the Virgin Island Consortium, which first reported George's firing, cited a person with, quote, knowledge of the matter who claims she filed a lawsuit without first informing Governor Bryan of such a major action, suggesting the two events could be related. The governor's communications director, Richard Mata Jr., said the reports are not, quote, entirely accurate, but he declined to comment further. Very, very interesting. Uh, here's another uh, source here with NPR it says Epstein sex trafficking was aided by J.P. Morgan, a U.S. Virgin Island lawsuit say. Says the government of U.S. Virgin Islands alleges in a lawsuit filed this week that J.P. Morgan Chase turned a blind eye to evidence that disgraced financier, disgraced financier, bro. That's what they're calling Jeffrey Epstein, huh? That's crazy to me, bro. That disgraced financier, Jeffrey Epstein, insane, used the bank to facilitate sex trafficking activities on Little St. James, a private island he owned in the territory until his 2019 suicide. Right. Suicide. In a more than a 100-page com uh, complaint filed by USVI, uh, Attorney General Denise George in the Southern District of New York in Manhattan on Tuesday, the territory alleges that J.P. Morgan failed to report Epstein's suspicious activities and provide the financier with service services reserved for high-wealth clients after his 2008 conviction for soliciting a minor for prostitution in Palm Beach, Florida. The complaint says the territory's Department of Justice investigation revealed that J.P. Morgan knowingly, knowingly negligently and unlawfully provided and pulled levers through which recruiters and victims were paid and was indispensable uh, to the operation and concealment of the Epstein trafficking enterprise. It accused the bank of ignoring evidence for, quote, more than a decade because of Epstein's own financial footprint and because of the deals and clients that Epstein brought and promised to bring the bank. So what you are telling me is that even the banks are in on it? There's no way. There's absolutely no way that the banks are in on this. You're telling me that it's not just the U.S. government, but also the big banks, the people that we bailed out in 2008. Those people that continue to enslave people uh, to debt via credit cards and mortgages and, and all these other types. of You're telling me those people don't have our best interests and that they are helping people like Jeffrey Epstein get away with stuff? There's absolutely just no way. 
It goes on to say, these decisions were advocated and approved at the senior levels of J.P. Morgan. It said the bank allegedly, quote, facilitated and concealed wire and cash transactions that raised suspicion of and were, in fact, part of a criminal enterprise whose currency was the sexual servitude of dozens of women and girls in and beyond the Virgin Islands. Now, what's really interesting is going back to the Fox News uh, one. It says that... Um, uh, she filed a lawsuit that the reason, or at least the reason people are alleging uh, that she got fired was because it says she filed a lawsuit without first informing Governor Bryan of such a major action. So they're trying to make it seem, at least from what I gather, that the reason why they're firing her is because she didn't use proper chain of command. She didn't uh, consult with the governor. Now, I don't, maybe that was a good idea. Maybe it was a good idea because who knows? The implications on the governor himself right but uh it is very interesting that they are trying to make it seem like because chain of command issues she didn't go to her supervisors didn't notify the governor uh that this is the reason why they need to let her go but fire her it's one thing to reprimand it's one thing to make things uh, right it's one thing to say hey you were wrong for this please make sure from moving forward you consult with me or, hey, we're actually going to get rid of this. I wanted to work on this myself well, alongside with you and let's get it done. But it is very interesting. And I cannot wait to dive into those folks that kind of do like those deep dives, you know, on uh, on like who specific people are. I, I think they're I, I don't know exactly what to call these people. I, I call them citizen journalists. People like to call them like truthers, the people that kind of like. They'll look into this case and they'll like come back with like 40 or 50 different facts about not just like the governor of the U.S. Virgin Islands, but who this woman is and who she worked with and who's bankrolling her and who's bankrolling him. I like like those little deep dive videos, you know, uh, actually one of my good friends, uh, Natalie Denise, she does really good work with uh, with doing that, where she kind of goes layer by layer to going into um, not just politicians, but also like celebrities and like. Is this really what happened? I think there was one recently with like a celebrity that died and then she was able to tie it back. Or no, it was like one of those weird like artists. It was the, uh, oh, the Balenciaga stuff. When the Balenciaga stuff was going down, uh, you can follow her. It's Natalie Denise, N-A-T-L-Y, and then Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and she does really good deep dives because she was able to grab the Balenciaga story and then she went out and connected like 100 people to it. And it's, I mean, just, and then she found like more pages and then she like exposed all those pages. It was just utterly insane. Like the deep dive, uh, which I, you know, like hopefully one day with your support, of course, those are the kind of investigative people we wish to hire here because I kind of have to talk about just like the major stories of the day and kind of do a small dive, not a deep dive, I guess more a shallow dive onto these stories, kind of give you guys the basics, the rundown. So you're pretty informed, right? Uh, but I, I love people like Natalie that are able to just really get into it. They just spend hours and hours going into people's socials and finding people and like, oh, look, look who else I found. And here's a picture of this person and that person. And here's the photographer with this politician. And I'm like, damn. It goes a lot deeper. So kudos to people like her and all that stuff. So only time will tell really what's going to happen. I think for now, this attorney general uh, has learned her lesson. It seems you do not go above the governor. Not too happy with what she was trying to do. But I, to be honest, I don't know what's going to happen now with this J.P. Morgan Chase uh, thing. I think that what's going to end up happening is it's going gonna, it's gonna to disappear. Like most things, uh, Epstein... Everything is kept closed for whatever reason. I think you and I know those reasons, but we shall see. And then the last thing, speaking of sex trafficking, this is something that somebody sent over to me and they were like, hey, can you please talk about um, the Bakersfield.com uh, KCSO arrest nine suspects on suspicion of labor trafficking and kidnapping 16 victims. So this happened here in Bakersfield, California, and it says, Nine people, wait, what's the date of this? December 19th. So this was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so <clears throat> it says nine people were arrested by the Kern County Sheriff's Office on suspicion of falsely imprisoning 16 people. Damn, they got Andrew Tate in Bakersfield, bro? Damn. 
Uh, 16 people ranging from 8 to 66 years old for labor trafficking, including a man who said he was smuggled into America from Mexico. An investigation started after a man began banging on doors and yelling for help Friday around 1239 a.m. in the 8300 block of Cha-Cha-Cha, Cha-Cha Court, sorry, not Cha-Cha-Cha, Cha-Cha Court near Foothill High School. The man told KCSO deputies he escaped from a house where he was, quote, held against his will. After arriving in the United States from Mexico, his wife and child were trapped with 12 other people, a KCSO news release issued Monday evening said. Deputies found the victims, victims in residences in the 600 block of South Haley Street and 500 block of Sloan Lane. The news release stated, adding that the people had been moved by suspects because the man escaped. This is insane. This is such a large operation, man. Seven women and nine men were rescued, according to the KCSO. Five people were arrested on suspicion of nine felonies of kidnapping, nine felonies of false imprisonment, nine felonies of human trafficking for labor purposes, child endangerment, and criminal conspiracy. They're Carlos Manuel Cortez. I guarantee you these people are all cartel. They're Carlos Manuel Cortez, 37, Juan Jose Gonzalez, 30, Alexis Medina, 26, Ismael Heredina Medina, 23, and Angel Mesa Silva, 25. It'd be your own people, bro. Your own people enslaving you. That's insane. Erica Garcia, 32, and Yesenia Garcia, 31, were also apprehended on suspicion of the other allegations, but did not face a child endangerment charge. Two 16-year-olds were arrested and booked on suspicion of kidnapping. What? 16-year-olds, bro. False imprisonment, criminal conspiracy, and resisting arrest. The Kern County District Attorney's Victim Services Unit and the Open Door Network wow man this is insane but you know what i'm not surprised this is exactly what i have been working on this is why i say that illegal immigration is modern day slavery this is what it looks like this is slavery here you have people that are being smuggled through the mexican border and then they go to these towns believing that they're going to get to work freely and have a better life only to be enslaved by cartel because they either owe money to them or just forced labor this is the way it works. There's case after case after case. You can Google these things of people, illegal immigrants specifically, that are being enslaved by modern corporations. And it's happening right here in California in one of the most progressive states in the entire nation, quote unquote, right? And, and this is what is happening. You have 16 people that have just been rescued, thank God. And, and these people were forced into labor. And, 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 and these people, look... And this is why I work, and this is why it's so important to me with illegal immigration and with border security. People want to say that it's because I'm racist, that it's because I was born here, that if this, if the shoe was on the other foot and I was an illegal immigrant, I would just want to go work somewhere. I, it, this is all false information. It's, it's, it's a way for people to deflect the real issues that are happening. If you truly cared for immigrants, if you truly cared for quote unquote our people, then you would be very against illegal immigration and you would 100% be for border security. Because if you don't, this is what you expose people to. And God knows this is just one operation. This is just one case. And it's happening right here. People always think that, oh, this is happening somewhere like in Texas. This is There's no way this is happening right here in my back door. It absolutely is. I would put money that California is one of the states where most people get trafficked to. A, because we're a quote-unquote sanctuary state. And, and B, because it's a large agriculture state. And this is where usually people are enslaved and, and put to work so that they can pay off debt. There's also, if you haven't seen my good friend Jorge Ventura, he has two documentaries exposing that right here in California at two locations. He's done one in SoCal and he's done one in NorCal about how cartel are buying up land, buying up houses, and they're growing weed operations out there. Why? Because California is one of the more lenient states in regards to marijuana growing. And it doesn't even matter if it's illegal marijuana growing now. You basically get a slap in the hand because people like Gavin Newsom have decriminalized it. People like Democrats continue to decriminalize and, and, and make it easier for people to commit crime. 
And he does it so well. If you guys do not follow my friend Jorge Ventura, I highly recommend. He does really good work exposing this. And all of this, of course, is tied to illegal immigration. And, and, and these are the kind of stories you need to be sharing. You need to be showing people things like this. This is by uh, Bakersfield.com. KCSO arrests nine suspects on suspicion of labor trafficking, kidnapping 16 victims. People always tell me, how can I convince my parents? How can I convince my family to be more pro-border security? Show them articles like this one and tell them, this is our people. This is what is happening. This is what illegal immigration and, and, and a failure of an administration that has left our borders open and porous. And we continue to, to, to human traffic millions of people a year. This is what happens. This is where these people end up in slavery to their own. And I again, I, I guarantee you, I'd be very, very uh, uh, surprised if none of the nine people that were arrested are part of a cartel or a gang that operate this way. And and I'm just, man, I, I hope more of this continues. We really need, at, at, the, at this point, we need like a federal response team to, to just only handle the humans that have been trafficked into the U.S. in the last two years and track these people down and see where, where they are and how they're doing. Another good case by Project Veritas, they were exposing that minors are being sold into sex slavery here in the United States. And these people are illegal immigrants. And, and of course, where do they turn to? They don't want to get deported. They don't want any problems. There's language barriers, right? They're scared for their lives. Cartel are running them. Gangs are threatening them. So where do they go? It's happening right here in the United States. That's why I'm so passionate about it. That's why my boy Jorge Ventura and myself go to college campuses, university campuses right here in California to expose what's happening. We have videos. We have documentaries. We have the articles to prove it. We've gone down to the border. We know what's happening firsthand. And, and I think that the more we expose where people are, are ending up in, in this case, Bakers, Bakersfield, uh, California, right? Um, the more we can expose the human trafficking, the, the not just the nationwide, but the global operation that is human trafficking. But again, that is only going to be done with your help and your support. So, you know, hey, we're, we're, what I would love to do is hire some investigative journalists. What I would love to do is hire a field correspondent to send them down to the border to, 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 to continue that operation. I got my thing here in the office. We, we're growing. We're expanding. We, we, we need your continued support. That, that's just the reality of things. You guys want to see all of this be put out there? You know, $5 a month, $10 a month. It, it, I, I know I hound on this every single episode, but I'm being very honest, guys. This is the way we make it work. So, you know, if you guys want to support what we're doing, if you guys like the reporting, if you guys like that we're covering these news, um, then, hey, you know, uh, you can like, you can subscribe, you can comment down below. Those are the free ways to support us. Share this with people that need to know the information. I share this with people that, that, that need to see this, that need to hear this. And, and then also, you know, of course, we always got the merch. Uh, the Trust God, uh, that, that is our best-selling, hot-selling uh, ticket right now. Um, you know, thank you guys to everyone that's that's chipped in, the, the people that are ordering the hoodies. You guys are tagging me on social media. Uh, my mom was telling me yesterday, like, when is mine going to come in? So, Sal, make sure we get my mom one. La Jefita, she needs one. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll get to that. But, again, guys, thank you guys for your continued support. Uh, with that, we'll wrap it up here. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you like what we're doing, like, share, subscribe. Uh, hit the donate button down below as well. You can sign up for the Patreon, all that good stuff. And with that, we'll see you guys tomorrow, God willing. See you next time.